¿Cómo están todos? Yeah, bien, all right. Just let you guys know, when, I'm, when you see me, I'm going to teach you guys some Spanish. As my father said, that's the heavenly language in heaven. He's a pastor, so pastors don't lie, so I trust him uh, in that too. But I'm so excited to be here. My name is Steve. I am discipleship pastor here. Um, my family and I have been here for two months. Uh, two months we uh, we drove from Texas, uh, where we served for eight years uh, up here, and God is doing some amazing things. I want to thank this church just for welcome, welcoming our families in. Uh, you guys have been inviting us to have meals, praise the Lord, uh, to your guys' house. My kids always ask, are we going to someone's house this weekend? And I say, no, like, ah. So, uh, but anyway, but we want to thank you guys for making us feel welcome. Uh, but also, we're just excited to serve in this church. We're excited to see what God's, how God's going to use this church for this area, but also to use his people for his glory. And we're, we're doing a series on the church, Ecclesia. That is the Greek word for church. And uh, if you missed last week, I, I, I encourage you uh, to go and, and visit again the, the sermon from last week that kind of give a definition of what the church is. Uh, but this morning, we're going to look at the purpose of the church. What is the church? I'm going to ask you guys that question. Think in your mind. If someone stopped you, if you are going to the Hartville kitchen, getting that carrot cake. Praise the Lord, I love that carrot cake, it's good. If you are going there and someone stops you and says, why do you go to church? What would you tell them? Now here, here's the thing. There's there kind of three different camps that people think this is what the church, is the purpose of the church. And I got some pictures up here. The first purpose, people think the church is a cruise ship. That is basically whatever they want. They're here to be entertained. Please entertain me. And this is how I want it, right? We've, you've been in a cruise ship. You get whatever you want. It's, it's amazing. It's great. It's entertaining. It's all for you. Some of us believe that that is the purpose of the church. That it's all about entertaining us what we want. Others believe that the church is a battleship, as we see here. That the church... The goal of the church is to fight the battles for us, to do the ministry for us, to serve others, to share the gospel, that we are just here to be entertained, to be comfortable, and let the church take care of the culture, society, and changing the world. But church family, friends, I believe that the church is an aircraft carrier. That as an aircraft carrier, as it's thousands and thousands, thousands of miles away from the battle, the aircraft's they come, they come to the aircraft carrier, they get refueled, and what happens? They go back to the battle. Church family, guess this is the purpose of the church. That as we come here and gather every Sunday, we come here to be equipped, to be challenged, to be encouraged, to get ready to go to the battlefield. And so my prayer here is that when you come on Sunday mornings, that you get refueled, that you get uh, excitement, that you get passion, you get equipped in God's word as well to go on and take the battle that's waiting for us as we walk out of these doors. And I have to say this, our world is being more and more disconnected from God every single day. And God's global mission, what God's purpose is, that he wants to see every single person to come before him. And the crazy thing is he wants to use us, sinners. You can say nobodies, but here's the thing. When we put our trust in Jesus as our savior, God says, I want to use your life. I'm going to place you. So I can use you to lead people to me. This morning, we're going to look at one of my favorite passages, Acts chapter 2. 
of verses 42 to 47. It's one of my favorite passages because I kind of lived out this passage. Uh, my parents, uh, they were discipled by a church planner. And they basically followed this guy all around the United States to start Spanish churches. Uh, so I under, I, I, what we're going to read right now, the scene that we're going to read is something I lived out daily and I saw happen in my own life. But we're going to look at the history of the church. Now the book of Acts, if you guys know, it's kind of like a history book. It gives the, the birth of the early church, but also how it grew and how it changed the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here... Before we go into our, our, our main passage, we see here that the early church, man, they changed the whole world. Now, there wasn't any right now media. There wasn't a Bible. There wasn't all these Bible studies that you can get on Amazon. They basically trusted the Holy Spirit and God and the teachings of the apostles, and they lived it out. Here in verse 42, 43 actually, uh, sorry, 41 says this. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and, and that day by day, 3,000 people were added to them. So here, the apostle Paul, Peter is preaching a sermon, all right? And after a sermon, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. Now, as a preacher, I was like, man, that's a great day. For the church, that's a great day. Now, for my job as a discipleship pastor, kind of a little stressful. <laughs> Can I say, okay, are we equipping these people? Are we placing them in connect groups? ABS, we have enough leaders for that. But how, what a glorious day for the church. Because when Jesus ascended to heaven, it says that there was only 120 believers on the planet. Okay, get that in mind. That when Jesus ascended, only in the planet there was 120 believers of our faith. And from there it went 3,000. And from there it went to where we are today. How do they do it? How do these 120 people, how do they, these believers who weren't trained, there's no Bible school, there's no uh, Sunday school class, there's nothing like this. How do they change the world? And my prayer is as we walk through it, there'll be a challenge for us to live out. Now here the writer of Luke is right, wrote, wrote the book of Acts and he sees the early church. Now he's not telling us this is how the church should be. He's just writing like this is what I'm seeing and it's amazing. And I want to share it with you. So read with me here, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being, was being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held, in, held things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed them the proceeds to all as who needed them. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together at the temple, broke bread from house to house. They ate their food in joyful and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who being saved. What a great passage. And again, I ask the question, what is the purpose of the church to you? As we see those three pictures, where are you at? But I pray that I hope that you understand to see the purpose of the church is to equip God's people to go and change the world for him through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see here that Peter preached this message and 3,000 people came to know Christ. And Luke begins to write to see their devotion. So let's look at the early church's devotion. Let's see what they did as a church. The first thing is this. 
They were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to God's word. So what, what, were they, what was the early church teaching like? What, what were they reading? What were they learning? Obviously, the whole Bible was not complete, right? There wasn't all these different Bible studies. But we see that they were reading the Old Testament, but also the words of Jesus, like Sermon on the Mount. All these things that Jesus says and, and the, the apostles were preaching, that's what they were devoted into studying and to listening. And church, my question for you this morning is how devoted are you to God's word? With every sermon that you hear here every Sunday or maybe at an ABF class or Sunday school classes there or, or connect group or Bible study or whatever it is, how devoted are you to God's word? Because I love it. It says there, it said they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see, when the, when the Spirit... When the Holy Spirit was moving them, their desire was to obey what Jesus told them to do. Is that your desire as well? You see, I heard you say this. The more and more we read God's word, the more and more we want to see what, how God wants to use our lives for his glory. So if this is the only time that you open up God's word, it's going to be harder and harder to hear his word if you're not, going, if you're not studying with him through the week. You see here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Listen, verse 17 is why it's important that we are devote, be devoted to God's word. That we don't just listen to God's word or read it, but we actually dwell into our lives so that whatever we do brings glory to God and reflects God. I remember a couple years ago, uh, my son Levi was taking him to school. And uh, in Texas, there's a lot of different bugs, okay? Like if, if you go to Texas, you see someone with a bug and, and on their phones because they're trying to Google what it is. If it's poison or it's not, you know, all that stuff. So there's tons of different bugs in Texas. So one day I was walking uh, with my son, taking him to class, and all of a sudden I thought he was behind me. I look, he's not there. He's actually in the middle of, this, of, of the sidewalk where people are walking around him. He's just like, he's just looking all bending down. All falls force, and he's looking at this bug. He's like, yo, dad, come here. Come here. Look at this bug. And I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, trying to apologize for everybody going around him. And he's just like really so close to it. I thought he was going to eat it. But he was so close, he's just looking at it. He's like, dad, look at how many legs. Look at the cup. He just started describing everything. He was like so devoted to know all about this bug. And after that, I was like, all right, we got to go. I put him to class. And about one or two months afterwards, we put him to bed and prayed with him, all that. And I was walking out, and he's like, hey, Dad, do you remember that bug I saw a couple days ago? And it was like two, day, two months, right? It was two months ago. I was like, remember that bug? And he begins to describe every single detail. Like he just, wa- he just watched it like a second ago. Begins to s- describe the color, how many legs, all these different things. And I thought, that's how we should be when we're devoted to God's word. That we're so focused on God that nothing else matters. Like my son was looking at this bug. He was devoted to studying this bug. He didn't care people were walking over him, going inside him, looking at him. He was like, yo, dad, come look at this. Are we devoted just like that with God's word? That nothing else matters. That we're so focused into his word. When we hear it or read it ourselves, that we just want to know more about Jesus. See, the early church, they were devoted to the words of Jesus. They want to find purpose in it. 
And they're so devoted, they didn't care what other people thought. So my question for you this morning is this, is how, how are you devoted to God's word? Are you spending time in God's word outside of Sunday mornings? Are you taking time? And maybe here this morning, say, well, I don't know even where to start. That's why we started the, uh, the reading plan this summer, this uh, summer synergy. The, the goal of getting our people to be in God's word, to be devoted in God's word as we read through the New Testament. And so I challenge you, are you devoted in God's word? Because we, we see here in Colossians, right, verse 17 of, us, of chapter 3 says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is why it's important that we are devoted to God's word outside of just Sunday, but finding time to be with the Savior so our hearts can be dwelled in his word and we can do everything for his glory and not ours. You see, that's what the early church was devoted to. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to God's word. So what do you do with every sermon that you hear? Especially here on Sunday mornings when you come to Maranatha. What do you do with these sermons? You see, in Jewish culture, they love to repeat a lot. So with this, like on Sunday morning, they hear a sermon. They'll go to someone's home and they'll discuss it. They'll break it down. They'll challenge each other how to live it out. And so our challenge for you this morning is that, to be devoting God's word, to not just be satisfied hearing a sermon, but you yourselves throughout the week digging deep into God's word. So you can be devoted and understand who God is and what he has for your life. So we see here, the early church, they were devoted to God's word. Second is this, they were devoted to fellowship. To fellowship. Now, I was raised Southern Baptist. Fellowship, what it meant in Southern Baptist is that it's about to have some food. Potluck. We're about to eat after church. There's a fellowship after. And, and we just basically ate ice cream, everything like that, right? So when we think of fellowship, we think of just hanging out, hanging out. But the interesting here, the word here, fellowship, it means to give. It's not an emotion or cookies or ice cream. It's actually that the Holy Spirit and God's word is moving you to invest in someone else's life. Because see, we see here. Verse 45, it says, They sold their possessions and property and distributed them to all who needed them. Now, a lot of people look at this verse and say, okay, that's socialism. No, it's not. As someone who grew up, my parents are from Central America. I've heard everything about socialism. (laughs) If you want to talk about it, we can talk afterwards. But socialism is this. Socialism, someone's telling you how to use your money. Here, the Holy Spirit was just, man, this is all from their heart. They were giving their money to people in need. It was all because of their time in the Word and the Spirit. They saw someone in need, and they helped them. And the early church were devoted with that fellowship. When a group has fellowship, it means they're gathered together on their common goal or idea. They may share nothing in common, but they have a purpose together. Like we all here this morning come from different backgrounds. We have different histories. We have different last names, all these different things. But we're here from one common reason to know more about God. And this is what the early church, man, the early church, it was rich people, poor people, all people who couldn't read, people who were educated. But when they came together is because they wanted to serve God together and know God together. And this is the beauty of, of this fellowship, this word here, koinonia, giving, investing. 
is that God did not intend for us to grow in him alone. Genesis chapter 3, right? We see this, that God says man should not live alone. Now, we use that a lot uh, in weddings, but I also believe in our spiritual walk, that's what it means. That we should not live alone trying to grow in Jesus. That's why we have here the church, the body, to know that you're not the only one trying to know God and letting God use your life for his glory. And so I pray that when you come here on Sunday morning that you are so encouraged to know that, hey, I'm not the only one trying to be devoted to God's word. But here's what happens. When we devote ourselves to God's word, God's word and God's Holy Spirit is going to move us to invest in someone else's life. If you leave church or Maranatha or whatever, when you leave and you say, man, you know what? I didn't feel the fellowship. I didn't feel connected. Reason being is because probably you have not been giving, investing in others as well. You see, that's why we have uh, connect groups and our, our Sunday morning groups, our adult Bible fellowships, because our goal with that is to equip you guys, but also with our connect groups to build relationships. Our connect groups, uh, they meet at homes. And why, where do we get the idea? From the early church. The early church would come to the temple, hear God's word taught, and then they will break into homes and break bread and discuss the sermon that they just heard. And how they can in, in, in live it out and challenge each other how to live it out as well. So if you've been coming here on Sunday mornings for a while, and this is all that you do, you're not going to experience this fellowship. This fellowship of you, someone giving to your life, but also you giving it to someone else. So I encourage you, if you've been coming here for a while, I believe that the next step for you guys is maybe to find a, maybe adult Bible fellowship on Sunday morning. But, and also a connect group. We're going to, Lord willing, relaunch those in September. But how are you fellowshipping with others? Are you investing in others' lives? Here, the foundation of the early church was giving. That was their foundation, their fellowship. Kononia, it was to give, to invest. Why? Because they were devoted to the word and they saw that. Because here's the thing, when you trust in Jesus as your Savior and understand the gospel, that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that should change our whole life. For God so loved the world, right? So loved, meaning there's so much love that he gave to us. Even though we see in the book of Romans that we were enemies of God, he loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins and the sins of the world. And on the third day, rose again. The Bible says when we ask Jesus to come into our life and change us, we belong to him and we experience this love from God. You see, here the early church experienced that love of God, and the overflow was they were sharing it to other people around us. So that love that you receive from God is the overflowing of your heart. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes when I see, you know, we see Jesus says that, that our job as, as believers is to help the poor, the widows, and the orphans. And I'll be honest. Sometimes when I see a homeless person, I'm kind of like, you can get a job, man. The McDonald's right there. I remember one time in Texas, there's a, there's a place where there's a lot of homeless people uh, where we used to live in Texas. And I remember, you know, when there's a red light, I usually just look straight. And, you know, the homeless person there with a the sign. And my son was in the back of the car. And he's like, hey, Dad, what's, what's that sign say? He's like, oh, he's, he, he doesn't have a job. He needs money. And he's like, well, are you going to give him? Because you just said to do that. I was like, man, I'm not, no more kids church for this kid at all. But in that moment, and, and I give, but here's the thing. It's our job to help the poor. And this is where I, I, I've learned this from a pastor. He's a pastor I know, uh, I've heard of. He has about 15 or 20 bucks in his pocket all the time. And when he sees a homeless person, he just gives it to him, prays with him, shares the gospel to him. And he said this. The reason why I do that is because however that person 
uses that money is between him, her, or God. My job as a believer is to help the poor. You see, the early church understood that. They weren't selling all their homes because we read, we just, we read there that they, broke, they went to the temple and then they broke bread where? In their homes. So they weren't selling all. I'm not telling We're not saying I would sell all your stuff and possessions. No, they're saying whatever that was left over, they saw a need. And they said, how can we help each other? How can we help the people in need? And that's why it's so important that you be part of a biblical community, whether it be our Sunday morning Bible studies or be a connect group. Because you need that encouragement. You need that koinonia, that fellowship, that investment in your lives. And I loved our, our connect group back in Texas when we were, before even moving here, we were sick the month before we were supposed to, actually the month that we were supposed to move, we got sick. And the first people to bring groceries was our connect group. The first people to check up on us was our connect group. They would bring groceries. They would bring food. They would bring dinner. They, that was, we were experiencing Colonia, the fellowship that they were investing in our lives and say, hey, we're here for you if you need anything. Even when we moved, they were putting boxes in the U-Haul. And my connect group leader actually drove all 18 hours, 20-some hours from, from north Texas all the way here because I just want to spend more, a couple more hours with you and encourage you. That is Kononia. That's the fellowship that these early church believers were giving to each other. Foundation of the church here in Acts 2 is they were giving, they were investing. It wasn't just about them. It wasn't a cruise ship for them. They were just helping each other. So how is your fellowship at Kononia? Are you investing in other people? See, we see that with, the, with this, that, the, that fellowship happens when we draw close to God. Fellowship happens, this koinonia, this, this desire to help others and help others grow. And Jesus starts when we draw near to Christ, when we are devoted to his word, because the outflow of that is helping others. See, I'm the discipleship pastor here. Some of you guys are like, what, is, what does discipleship mean? This is the definition uh, that I wrote for, uh, in a church that I, that I follow closely, wrote a definition for discipleship. This is what it means. Believers equipping each other to grow deeper in God's word through intentional accountability. That's the colonia, that fellowship. In order to replicate faithful followers of Jesus. That is what discipleship is. And this is what the early church were living out. Right? We see here in verse 46 it says, Every day they devote themselves meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They were devoted and meeting together, not alone, but together. Why? To help each other grow in Christ and to help each other with whatever need that we had. You see, that's what discipleship is, is helping other believers grow, being accountable to one another, but with the goal of, hey, we're going to replicate this again and follow new believers. Again, there was 120 believers when Jesus ascended to heaven to 3,002 where we are here today. You know why? Because they did discipleship. They were helping each other grow in Christ. And then within that, they were replicated and replicated to the point that we are here in 2021 because of these faithful followers. So that we see that they were devoted. The early church was devoted to God's word and devoted to fellowship, investing in others, serving others. Thirdly, it's here, devoted to worship. Worship. Now, we think of worship as uh, of singing, right? And that's part of it. But also, worship is the way we, we, we live our lives for Christ. Every day. You see here, verse 46 to 47, 
It says that they, uh, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number to those who are being saved. So their worship were two things. Their worship was a breaking of bread and prayer and praying. The breaking of bread and praying. And the breaking of bread was they basically had a meal. And the reason why they had a meal is to get to know each other. It wasn't to figure each other out, but to know each other. And we believe also that after they had the meal and the, the great time of fellowship, they will take some time and have communion together. To remember the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross. They took the, the bread and the wine and they would, uh, after the meal was almost done, the people was going home, they would take it together to remember what God did by sending Jesus to die on the cross for their sins and raise him again on the third day. And it was the thing they were devoted to. But we see that they said they were praising God, right? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And it says this, that... There wasn't like worship like we have here. We have four songs and then someone preaches, right? Back then it was they would just pray, hear the word, and as they were walking out, they were singing. Think about that. Imagine if we did that. Imagine we came, prayed, hear the word, and after that, hey, we're going to go and sing what we just heard. And we're going to go to homes and break bread and discuss what we just listened to and how we're going to live it out amongst each other and change the world. That was kind of what their worship was. But the main thing was to have this meal, not to figure someone else, but to get to know them. Now, in the Hispanic culture where I come from, that's a normal thing. Like I always, growing up, my, my dad and my mom uh, would plant, help plant churches, all Spanish churches all around the United States. And the way they would do that was first they would have a meal with somebody. And not to figure them out, but to get to know them, break bread with them. And as well, hopefully have opportunities to share the gospel with them and pray with them as well. But they were devoted in worshiping and worshiping and, and praying for each other, breaking bread with each other. And so when's the last time you broke bread with somebody and give thanks for, for what God has done in your life? As we see that, as we and devoting God's word and we begin to have that fellowship, that colonia, that, that uh, investing in someone else's life, man, the worship is that we're going to worship God for all that he's done in our lives. And the early church understood that. You see, a German pastor said this, it is God's grace, nothing but grace, that we're allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. I'm going to say it again. It is grace, nothing but grace, that we're allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. It should be, we should be excited every Sunday we come together here to know that, hey, I'm going to be with brothers and sisters of the faith as well. That we're going to grow together, be equipped together so we can go out and change the world for Christ. Because I, I wish the time machines were really real because I just want to go back in time. Just see this early church. Just see their excitement. Now, not everything was easy. Right? We see later they were persecuted. Right? They, they were just being destroyed. But during persecution, that's when the church grew. Why? Because they were devoted to these things. And so we should not take for granted our time together here. That it should bring excitement every time that we wake up. To know, hey, today I'm going to be with the body of Christ. I'm going to be encouraged. And I pray that I can have Kodonia fellowship with someone as well. Or, or adult Bible fellowships or connect groups. And who can I invest in? There was excitement in the early church to hang out with each other, to fellowship and to worship what God was doing. So we see 
three things there. They're devoted to God's word, to fellowship, to worship. We see lastly here, they were devoted to evangelism. Now, there's a definition of evangelism here uh, that I found. It says, evangelism is sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with someone to help them know and follow Jesus as Lord through repentance and faith. So evangelism is basically going to someone who doesn't know Jesus and tell them the gospel, the good news, that Jesus died for their sins and rose again on the third day. And that when we repent our sins and ask Jesus to come into our life, man, we are now a child of God and belong to God. You see, the early church didn't just stay among themselves. They weren't like the battleship. No, no. They equipped each other and then they went out to go and change the world. How do we know this? We see in verse 47 at the end it says, it says, Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. When's the last time that you opened your mouth and shared Jesus with somebody? When's the last time you, maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, maybe a friend or somebody said, hey, I want to tell you something about, about somebody. And evangelize and, and tell people about Jesus. Because here's the thing, I believe God made us for two reasons. To know him and to make him known. I love hearing testimony when people go on mission trips. When they go on a mission trip, they always say, man, I feel so close to God. And every time when I, I took students out when I was a youth pastor or, or just, you know, when I take groups out to mission trips, they always say that. So like, oh, I felt close to God. I grew in God. And I told them the reason why is because you're doing what you're created to do, to know God, to be in his word, but then go and tell others about it. Because remember, his global mission, God's global mission is to save the whole earth, and he wants to use us to achieve that. And so if you haven't been... And I know, I know it's, it's frightening to share the gospel. I know it's frightening, but here's the thing. The more and more you're in God's word, the more and more confidence you get through growing in Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like if someone would stop me, if I was just walking around or at the Hartwell kitchen getting my carrot cake, I'll let you guys know that's where I hang out a lot. But, uh, but eating it and someone said, hey, ask me about soccer, listen, you may not think it's a real sport, but when we get to heaven, you're going to find out it is. But, but here's the thing. I, I don't care who you are, I'm going to talk about soccer. Why? Because since I was little, that's what I watched with my dad. That's why I talked to my dad. As he was telling me Jesus, he was also telling me about soccer. And I know about it. I'm so confident even talking about it. Why? Because I spend most of my life studying and watching games, reading up on it. And I think the reason why we are so afraid to share the gospel is because we're not devoted to God's word. And we don't have that fellowship with other believers who encourage us to do it. So we need to be devoted to God's word. We need as, as well as, as a supporting group around us to say, hey, I want to share the gospel to this person. Can you pray for me? But also trusting in God's word and his Holy Spirit to give you the words to say. That's what Jesus said, that the role of the Holy Spirit, what he does is remind us of all that we have read and known of him. So the more and more we read God's word, the more we fall in love with God by being devoted to his word, the more and more the Holy Spirit is going to remind us. And there's moments when I'm sharing the gospel and I'm sharing to somebody who's probably smarter than me. And the back of my mind is like, how in the world am I saying this? Like, I know I'm not a smart guy. I am not a smart guy. But I've had some conversations in the past that I can see the Holy Spirit just reminding me of things I've read. And that's what the early church did. They didn't just stay among themselves, even their persecution. Man, they went out. 
I love it. We see later on in Acts, we see that Peter is in prison and the early church is praying hard that Peter will be released from prison. And we see that Peter is released from prison. He knocks on the door and says, hey, guys, I'm free. I'm going to go preach again. And goes back to the temple and preaches again. To me, that's like, that's just crazy. Like the dude just came out of jail for preaching the gospel, knocks on the door, says, hey, guys, thanks for praying. Pray again. I'm going to go preach again in the same spot where I got arrested. I think that's the desire we should have. If you love somebody so much, man, you want the whole world to know. So we see the things that they were devoted, the early church were devoted to was God's word, fellowship, colonia, investing in others. We see that they were uh, devoted to worship, discipleship, and evangelism. Now I want to kind of focus and kind of second, what was the result of their devotion. They were devoted to these, these five things here. They were so devoted to it. What was the result of the devotion? Their devotion. The first one is this. Their devotion resulted in unity in Jesus. Unity is like a big word right now, right? We hear it everywhere. Unity, unity, unity. Listen, unity is not going to come from a government or political party. True unity is going to come only through Jesus Christ. And we have, the, have the, the, the opportunity to show that to the world. Remember here, Luke is just watching this early church live these, these five folds out. He can say, like, just like living out the, the gospel among each other. And, they, and he was just ecstatic. I was reading a commentary that said that even the emperor of Rome kind of sent some agents to go and kind of see what the early church was doing. And they said that he got reports of just being astonished at how they cared for each other, loved each other, helped each other. And these were unbelievers. And sometimes I wonder, what does the world say about us now? Matter of fact, if Luke was still alive, what would he write about Maranatha? What would he say? Would he be astonished, would he be amazed of how we are living out the devotions here we see the early church? But see, unity it starts with being devoted to God and his word. And it's the overflow is that we see this even in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, now the entire group of those believe were of one heart, one mind, and one claim that any of the possessions they owned were not theirs, but they shared them among each other. They had one heart, one mind. They had this unity. Why? Because they're devoted to God's word, to fellowship, to discipleship, evangelism. They're devoted to these things that changed and brought unity within the church. Also, we see the result was their devotion result in caring as family. They cared as a family. They saw a need, and they were aware of that need, and they took responsibility of that need. Now, again, this is not socialism. This is actually from the heart of God. They, they decided to do this. is what they said from reading God's word, that there's a need in our believers, in the body of our believers, um, we're aware of it. Let's, let's do something about it. We see that in verse 45, right? We see that they sold their possessions, property, and distributed them proceeds to all who needed them. So when they saw a need, hey, we got you. We're here. We're family. And lastly is this. We see their devotion result on life, on mission. That they understood that their purpose was to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that in verse uh, 46 to 47, that day by day, people were getting saved. What a great day that would have been. But sometimes my heart breaks that we're not seeing that so much in the church anymore. Why are we seeing day by day people come and know Christ? Because I believe 
in the sense we've got a little lazy. That we got kind of like the cruise ship. That I was the one to look good. I was the one to do whatever I want to do. And, that, and that's it. But here's the thing. God has put us where he wants us so we can live life on mission and leading people to him. I always tell this when I was a youth pastor to students, like, man, you are the grade you're in, not because of the year you're born or because of the district you live in or, or because of your parents. It's because God's put you there to change your grade for his glory. And you work, the job you work, not because you picked it, because it was, they were looking, they're hiring someone that's because God's put you there for a reason. The neighborhood you live in, it's not because the house was cheap. It's because God said, I'm going to make it cheap so you can tell people about Jesus. These early church believers had no Bible training, nothing like that. They were just reading God's word, devoted to it, and lived life on mission. That wherever they went, they were trying to find opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Church family, friends, that is my prayer and that desire that we as a church will do that. That we will understand that the church's goal is an aircraft carrier to come here to be refueled, to be equipped, but then go out. And change the world. Because 100, remember, our faith started with 120 people on the planet to where we're here today. Why? Because they're devoted to God's word, to fellowship, to worship, evangelize, and discipleship that changed the world. Well, quickly, I want to show a, a video. I, I found this video a couple years ago, and it's the Church of China. Right? We all hear about the Church of China, how it's been under attack, but it is growing like crazy. And I remember watching this video. I, I was kind of preaching this sermon as well a couple years ago. And I saw everything that the early church was devoted to, I saw this church in China living it out as well. So let's watch this video real quickly. Here in China, there is such darkness. But even in the midst of this darkness, we are experiencing God's victory. I became a believer 10 years ago. I heard about Christ when I was on a business trip. After that, my entire family came to Christ. but we are not free to share our faith with others. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. They want to control the number of Christians. They want to control what God is doing. I hear from time to time of brothers and sisters being persecuted and arrested. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police. He was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died. All because of spreading the gospel. In the city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in. In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. 
次呢，主你是我们最吃香的果子。主啊，神啊，真是昨天的日子，你你聚集掉你的孩子，他无论在他帐篷那边做什么事，都求你给他开心嘛。主，我们把一下的。If you ask people on the street, most have never heard of Christ or read the Bible. No one in their family is a believer. The dangers here are driven by darkness, and that darkness can be quite fearful, especially when I think of my family. But God never fears, and He will overcome. So I want to go and share, despite being at risk. I minister to the neighbors that live next door, or upstairs. I visit them often. I listen, and I share in their life. When I get the chance, I tell the story of Jesus Christ, and we pray. And the Holy Spirit works. Every week, we see new people come to Christ. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened. We discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He continues to prepare the hearts of people in China. Every day, I have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, even if it means. I could go to prison. For who can have victory over God? Nobody. No matter what country. Man, when I saw that, I just began to cry. Because I began to think to myself, what is the purpose of the church for me? You see, as we saw last week, it's not the building; it's the people, right? But we see here. That I pray that as looking at this history book of our church of our faith, that it was it brings excitement and refreshes us, but also to see that they were just so focused on the basics. And I feel like we as a church need to come back to the basics, and we when we devote ourselves to the teaching of God's word, fellowship, discipleship, worship, evangelism, we share the hope of Jesus to those who watch us. Our brothers and sisters in China, man, they're under extreme persecution. But they're living this out well, because we live in a free country. That we should do it well, and we should go out and change the world for Christ. And so I challenge you: if you've been coming here for a while and not been having that fellowship, man, I challenge you to check out one of our Sunday morning classes, our connect groups. But if you've been a Christian for a while, not investing in someone else's life to grow in Christ, I challenge you to do that as well, because God wants to use our life to bring many people. To him, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you so much for the early church here in Acts chapter two. That God, they didn't know what they were doing. There was no training. There was no,、uh, no no Bible says anything. They were just trusting your word. 
and be empowered by your Holy Spirit that we still have today. God, I pray that us here at Maranatha, Lord, that this will be our desire to be devoted to your word, devoted to to, uh, having fellowship, to serving each other, discipling and sharing the gospel, baptism. I pray that that will be our desire. And I thank you that that is the purpose here at Maranatha. But God, I pray that we will live it out daily. Help us not just be comfortable here, but let us be doers of your word and let us change this world for you. God, use us mightily. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning and Maranatha.